All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, my goodness. Good morning, everyone. All right. Prayerfully, um, you guys enjoyed seeing your little ones sit and they just get that big old hug. Well, let me tell you guys, as someone whose kids don't hug them anymore, make sure you guys uh, cherish those little moments where your kids run up and give you hugs. Um, I have one child left that gives me hugs, and every single Sunday it's amazing, but love you, Kaylee. All right. Um, this morning, before we get into God's Word, I have uh, two quick announcements for you guys. The first announcement is this Sunday after, sur- or this Sunday, today, immediately after service, we're going to be having a missions interest meeting for those of you that are interested, pun intended. Okay, and so we're going to be meeting over in the uh, nursing mom's room. So let's say we're, um, we'll start maybe about five minutes after amen, okay? So, uh, or five minutes after have a good and godly week, okay? So that, that'll be our, our clock. So right immediately after service, um, I mentioned to you guys, those of you who are attending, lunch will be provided because I know it's going to be during the lunchtime hours. So lunch will be provided. So we'll be meeting over in that back room for those of you that have um, interest in uh, taking part of our missions meeting. And then the other announcement is um, trunk or tree. Okay, I know Stacy's been making her way around, talking to you guys one-on-one, texting you guys about um, those of you who are, want to be involved in trunk or tree, but we are moving forward with it. I'm not sure if it's, is it over on the screen? Okay, so um, the graphic, the invitation's over on the screen. And crazy thing is it's only two weeks away. And so uh, if you don't know what trunk or treat is, what we're going to do is we're, it's very quick from um, 5 to 6.30 on October 31st, two Sundays from now. We'll be over out in the parking lot. We'll block off the area that used to be our children's sanctuary. And we'll be out there. And those of you who would like to participate and actually uh, decking out your vehicle, you guys can kind of see what the hang of it is with the, the image on the screen. But basically, um, we'll put our cars in the parking lot, deck them out, have some candy, and they, um, block it off and just have a space for the kids to come into a safe area and to trunk, um, henceforth the term, and to treat and to get some candy. And then we're going to be having a costume parade. And so... Um, as all our kids are decked out, we want to make sure that they get recognized for how decked out they are that night. So uh, we'll have our little costume parade, and then we'll finish up the night with a pizza party. Sound good? It'll be very quick. So those of you that might have other plans or um, are with other people, other churches, okay? Anyways, um, other plans, you know, you guys can still make your way out. But we definitely wanted to be able to um, give our kids something that evening, and so to be able to gather and to, you know, just hang out and have fun. So we'll be doing that that evening. And so um, obviously it's for us, it's for your neighbors, it's for any cousins that you guys want to bring along the way. But this is the one thing, though. If you want to have a car participate in the trunk part of giving away candy and decorating your vehicle, make sure you guys talk to Stacy or myself about that, okay? So if you see Stacy today... Um, she's going to be around after service. You guys can talk to her. The, she is actually away next Sunday. So if you need to, you can talk to me next Sunday and also let me know um, that that's going on. Okay? 5 to 6.30, October 31st. We hope to see you guys there. All right. This morning, we have a special little treat going on for you guys since we're talking about trick or not, not trick, trunk or treat. 
Um, Samuel is our treat this morning, okay? Um, Pastor Sam, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, um, during our Wednesday evening series, the Lord gave him a really um, great message for our small group, and I've asked him to come and share that with all of us. Most of you guys didn't get to hear it, and it was just really good, very powerful, and uh, Pastor Sam's going to come up and share that message with us this morning. So real quick, let's give a standing ovation. Okay, no, 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 not just a hand clap, but a standing ovation for Pastor Sam as he makes his way up. Okay, so real quick. All right. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so glad to see a lot of faces uh, this morning here today. Um, let's, let's get ready to, to hear from the word. Um, let's see. A lot of us have our, our favorite movies, right? If you're not like me, that your days are flooded with, you know, Umizumi and, you know, Dora the Explorer. Some of you guys are laughing because you know what I mean. Uh, you guys typically, typically, you know, see movies and enjoy it maybe with your spouse or um, with different people. Uh, I personally do like watching movies. Um, I have a lot of favorite movies, and many times, uh, you know, I go back and re-watch some of those favorites, right, because um, it's really cool to, to get back into, into that moment in which you felt kind of part of that movie, right? You guys know what I mean? Every once in a while, there's a movie that you're like, man, I am into this movie. Um, but have you noticed that movies many times are created, right? The scripts are written so that you can kind of learn about the traits and characteristics of specific characters, right? Many times you either fall in love or you either end up hating, and maybe that's a tough word. You dislike a character within a movie, uh, but you leave the movie kind of like thinking, wow, like, I really didn't like that person, right? And, or I really, I really liked and I loved that character. And at the end of the day, you and I, we learn, up, we learn so much, right, about this character. And it's mainly through their interactions, the way that they speak to the other characters, the way that they relate to the rest of the people. And in the same way, when we read the Bible, specifically Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we realize that Jesus also had multiple interactions. He talked to many people, right? So he walked around uh, and he was healing people. He was speaking to people. And these were very well documented in the Word. And same as in a movie, we can learn so much too about the way Jesus interacted with people. And so I find this study kind of fitting today, especially because we have a missions interest meeting later on. And we've been talking too about the, the goal, the vision of the church as well. And so this is gonna fit, fit, fit really well, I believe. And before we start and before we pray, I want you to just think about an interaction, right? There are many interactions in the word, in, in the word, in, in the in the first and the four gospels, and I want you to just think of an interaction that Jesus had with, I don't know, there are so many, and just think about whatever is coming to your mind right now, and think about maybe a character or a trait that you see from Jesus as he spoke to somebody, as he ministered to somebody. And keep that in the back of your mind. And we'll get back to it a little later. Let's pray. 
Father, we uh, thank you this morning, and we want to give you our hearts, give you our minds, give you our ears, Father. We pray that whatever we're going to learn this morning, Lord, that it doesn't uh, escape, Father, it doesn't just become a, just a morning, a Sunday morning, a regular Sunday morning thing where we come and we forget, Lord, but instead, would you pierce our hearts? God, would you minister uh, to us in a mighty way? Would we leave here um, changed and challenged, Father? So we thank you and we love you. Speak through me, God, as your vessel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we can learn so much about how to act, how to interact, how to relate to people, to each other, through the more, more than 40 different documented interactions that Jesus had in his life. There's a lot of them that are documented in the four Gospels. And sometimes we're going to see that Jesus, uh, many times he started these conversations, right, when he spoke to people. There are nine cases that I was able to count that when, in which he interacted and he started these conversations. Uh, a couple of examples are Jesus and the Samaritan woman. In John 4, 7, also when he talked to the crippled beggar in John 5, um, verses 1 through 15. And in many instances, actually 25 instances, we see that other parties started a discussion with Jesus. Right? We see the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. We see the person that was demon-possessed in Mark 5. Uh, Jairus, the synagogue ruler who, who was looking for healing for a family member in Mark 5. And we see the woman that was bleeding, right, also in Mark 5. Sometimes the settings are also important to kind of identify. Um, for example, the majority of Jesus' interactions happen in actually a public setting. It happened in a, or in a workplace. Uh, we see Jesus who talked to James and John, right, while, while they were working in Matthew 4. He talked to the Samaritan woman who was at the well, probably in the presence of many people. He talked to a lame man in John 5 as well. Many of his interactions also took place in homes. Where he went to a home, he visited people, he spent time with the people, and he spoke to them. We can learn a lot from those too. He was at Peter's house with his mother-in-law in Mark 1. Uh, he was with the Gentile woman in Mark 7, and he was at Zacchaeus' house in Luke 19. So we see Jesus who's not locked into a specific location, specific place, but instead he interacted with everyone. And not only that, but he made it very personal, entering people's homes to speak, to minister to them. I find it also interesting that few of the interactions were actually in religious settings. Jesus didn't have to be in a synagogue. He didn't have to be in a within, maybe just only between the disciples. No, he interacted with people everywhere, everywhere. Jesus talked with the people, and he talked about spiritual issues that they were most familiar with. He didn't need a special environment, right? He didn't need to be in a specific location to do that. He didn't have to control the circumstances either, right? We see many times he's just walking through the crowd and things are happening around him and he is interacting with those people and ministering to them. 
And so as we look at Jesus' interactions, we think of how, how were these interactions? Jesus asked many questions, right? He asked questions to drive his point in more than half of the conversations that he had. And I find that interesting too, right? He, he had to, he wasn't necessarily telling people many times like this is what it is. He was asking questions, allowing people to maybe formulate their opinions, to really understand what's going on. In my line of work, many times, you know, we, when we teach a lot of our, our younger engineers, we don't necessarily tell them what to do. No, we kind of question maybe what they're doing so they can actually understand it in their own way, at their own time, in their own pace. But that lasts longer. And Jesus did that many times. He asked questions. He probed people. We see this, for example, uh, in when he talked to the adulterous woman, right? He tells her, where are your accusers? He wanted her to realize that she was free with the scribes after they questioned him for healing um, the paralyzed man. Um, he asked questions to his mother and brothers, right? And to the people around them. Who is my mother and who are my brothers, he asked. Jesus asked questions to help people understand his point. And that's interesting because God's first response way back in Genesis was four, four questions to Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3.9, right? Jesus asked them questions so they can realize the state where they were. And so Jesus connected with people's thoughts, with people's feelings. He understood that maybe some new ideas needed to be connected, right? He wanted people to connect the dots and really understand what was happening. He used a lot of frames of reference, right? He, when he asked questions, when he used parables, he used it in a way that people would understand, using the context of the time so that people would realize what he was saying, the message that he was trying to convey. He many times didn't press for a closure, right, or a decision. You don't hear that many times in the Gospels. Instead, he understood the times sometimes needed you know, time is required for ideas to really simmer, to really marinate in people's minds, and for people to own them before they act on them. And, you know, through the word, there are many inherent characteristics that we can extrapolate right from the many interactions that Jesus had. A lot of them we are widely, you know, accustomed to, right? And we understand them very easily, right? If I say Jesus was loving in his interactions, you can probably think of a time where he was loving or he was wise, right? You can think about that too. Jesus was righteous. Jesus was strong. Jesus had authority when he spoke to people. Those are very common, and we know them just because of our, for a lot of us, our Christian history, the, the way that we have learn the Bible over time. But for the purposes of today's study, I'm going to gather five characteristics, which maybe are not so common for you, uh, especially as related to the interactions that Jesus had, and which I feel are, you know, very relevant to our lives. You know, because a lot of us here are parents. A lot of us here are maybe uh, employers or employees, uh, we are leaders within the church, within other spheres of influence, and just within our Christian life. 
I think there are many ways in which we can learn from the way Jesus interacted with people. Now, as we go through this, and uh, maybe if you're taking notes, um, I pray that Jesus speaks to your heart. And if there is some maybe way in which you can relate to some of the ways that Jesus interacted with people and some of these characteristics, um, I pray that it doesn't, it doesn't um, go away from your heart after today. So if you're taking notes, number one is this. Jesus empowers Jesus empowers. Now, we all have people in our lives whom God has chosen for us to empower, right? And there are people that are also called to empower us. Now, if you don't know what empowering means, empowering is to identify the strengths in someone and encourage people in those strengths. So a lot of the time, you know, Pastor Randolph does a good job on that, right? He empowers people to step up, right, and to use their strengths to bless others within our church. And many times we're like, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a manager, uh, Pastor Sam. I, I'm just, you know, a regular person. I don't really have anyone to empower. And yet, if you realize, even our, uh, at our homes, right, our children, we have to empower them. Many times there are people that we minister to a church, right? People within our circles, maybe within the mom's group or who knows where you might find the opportunity to empower them, to see their strengths and to help them and encourage them in those strengths. In Matthew 3, verse 13 to 15, we read a story in which Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, to John, to be baptized by him. Now, John, you know, it says the Bible in, in, in Matthew 3, 13, I think 14, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by, by you, right? Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. Why? Why are you coming to me? But Jesus answered this, let it be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. Now, check this out. John, was, John the Baptist was one of Jesus' closest friends, right? He was one of the first people also that Jesus empowered. You can empower your friends. Jesus sought out and told John to baptize him. Now, John's response is kind of valid, right? Hey, you should be baptizing me, Jesus. Like, why, why am I doing this for you? You are Jesus. You're the Messiah. And yet, and yet Jesus says, no, no, no. You should be baptizing me. Jesus empowered John in the cause God had given and reminded John that God requires this action. See, he readied John to do something that Jesus probably could have done himself. Right? Jesus probably could have baptized people himself, being, being the son of God. And yet Jesus says, no, John, you are the person. You are the man. I need you to do this. And how many times you've taken a step back and, and given opportunities for another person to grow, to be challenged, to step up and take a step of faith. Parents, how many times have you empowered your children? Have you, you know, many times Jael, right? She's grown up for a long time 
just learning how I build things and how I do things at home. And now I can be like, hey, take this tool, build it. And empower her in that, in those skills, in those strengths. How many times do we do that at home? How many times for those of you who, who maybe have um, uh, friends, right, who help you out, how many times do you empower them in their strengths? For those of you who are leaders at the church, how many times do you think of the people that serve under you? I believe Jesus this morning is teaching us that we ought to empower those who he puts under us. Husbands, wives, how many times do we empower each other? I, I always tell this story because I think it's great. My wife, Shauna, she does um, the finances in our house. I always tell people, I don't even know how much I make sometimes. I just, I just come home and then, you know, things are, she does it really well because that's her strength. And over time, I've learned that I can trust that strength as the head of the family. And I always tell her, like, you could probably, you probably would have been a great, you know, business manager. I mean, she's amazing in math. Now, she teaches um, social studies uh, in a college, but she, she could have been the engineer in the family, probably. But over time, God showed me that I had to see the strength and empower them and say, you're it. I trust you. How many times did we do that? I pray that going forward, we have that attitude with people and we can see those that we, those that we need to empower within our lives. Another example is in Matthew 16, 18 and 19, where Jesus is telling Peter, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus is telling Peter, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you to build my church. Now, I want you to think about that. I want you to let that sit in a little bit. Because Peter, right? Peter, the one who denied Jesus, will be the one to build a church. Now, that's empowering, right? That even through someone's failure, you're still telling them, I trust you. I believe you can do it. I think sometimes we're afraid of being let down, right? Uh, or, or people may be failing around us. And so we choose to do things many times on our own. Like, no, no, I'm going to get this done and I'm going to, I know I can do it faster. But this is the opposite of empowerment. Yes, people will let us down constantly, but even so, we need to continue to support and encourage people in the strengths they have. Because Jesus, until today, still does it for you and I. Jesus empowers. Number two, Jesus empathizes. Jesus empathizes. To empathize means to understand and to share the feelings of another person. Now, notice, to share the feelings of another person. This is not the same as sympathize, which is to agree, right? To agree with the feeling or with the sentiment. No, you're actually sharing the feelings 
or someone else. Now, this is difficult, especially in our everyday context, right? We are so individualistic nowadays. Personally, I can definitely empathize with my kids, for example, right? Because I see their struggles, I understand them, and I want to share with them. I want to take the burden from them. Because that is empathizing. It's when you empathize with somebody, it provides this additional layer of security, right? It helps them relieve their suffering because now you also share the burden. That weight doesn't have to be carried by a single person. Because now you know that there's this person who can share that weight with you, share that burden with you. That's why many times when something bad, maybe like a death in the family happens, right? For somebody, you tell them, go be with family. Go be with someone, a family member. Go share these feelings with somebody because you can't carry this burden alone. That's why empathy is really important. And how can we as Christians be, have empathy for the world to the level that we actually understand the pain of people and their anxiety? I believe Jesus gives us a good example in John 11. John 11, verses 31 to 37. And this is when Lazarus has died. And it says, when the Jews who were with her, talking about Mary, in the house, they were consoling Mary, and they saw her rise quickly and go out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also were weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved them? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind men also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And after that, we know that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But check this out. Jesus knew already that he was going to raise Lazarus, right? He knew. In his wisdom, Jesus, the Son of God, knew he was going to raise Lazarus. So technically speaking, speaking, he knew there wasn't a reason for the people to mourn, right? He could have easily gone to Mary, hey, Stop crying. Stop crying. I'm going, to raise, I'm going to raise him. Believe in my power. He could have easily just, you know, given the side eye and, why are these people crying? He knew that in a matter of minutes, their tears were going to turn into joy. So Jesus had an excuse to really just, you know, kind of shake his hand and say, all right, settle down. I'm going to, I'm going to raise Lazarus, all right? But he didn't do that. Jesus saw people who were hurting, and he made them hurt too. He empathized so strongly that he wept himself. Now, within our context, right, we have people, even within the church, that walk through those doors with pain in their hearts. And yet many times, we tend to give the side eye. 
Or many times we're so caught up in our own selves that we forget to empathize with our neighbor. Sometimes we're quickly to dismiss, right, for spouses, right? We might see our spouse struggling. And many times we're like, well, you'll be okay. Or we see a neighbor, right? We see somebody or things happening in this world and we say things like, well, you know, he shouldn't have done that. Or, yeah, yeah, I I knew that was going to happen, right? Look at his path. We dismiss it and we forget that we have to be like Jesus, right? Jesus didn't do that. No, he went. It says that he mourned with them. It says that he was deeply moved in his spirit. And he was greatly troubled to the point where he cried. Now, I encourage you this morning, if if you know someone today, right now, who is going through something, be quick to empathize, just as Jesus did. I know it's difficult at times, right? We are so busy with our own lives. There's so many things going on in our own lives, and yet Jesus took that moment to really be part of the suffering, and really connect with Mary and share the burden. Jesus empathized. And many times I think it's pride. Right? I think our own pride, we, we fail to, to, to maybe put ourselves in, in a different person's shoe. Right? And as we think of missions, I think we have to work on that a little more, especially in our society. Because in order to be uh, a missionary, you have to learn to put, understand the struggles of someone else. Jesus empathized, and I, I believe we need to do that too. Number three, Jesus listens. Jesus listens. Matthew twenty twenty nine. We read a story that, even for me, I, I'll be honest, when I read it, I'm like, I don't even remember reading this story before. I was like, man, what kind of pastor? <laughs> and yet, uh, I find it very interesting um, to show how, how as Jesus interacted with people, he listened to them. Matthew 20, 29, Jesus, it says this, as they went out of Jericho, There was a great crowd that followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting in the roadside. roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And so Jesus stopped. He called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, the Bible says, in pity, touched their eyes. And immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Now, what an example of listening, right? When is the last time that you tuned out all the noise? 
like, imagine this place, right? Jesus is walking through a crowd. We don't even know how big it is, but I bet it's a lot of people. And there's so much noise, so many people. I mean, I think of like a fair, right? Where there's so much going on around you. And Jesus is walking through this crowd with all this noise, and there are these two men crying out. And Jesus is able to tune out all of the noise and focus his attention on these two men. Even after many people, and I bet maybe even some disciples, were like, be quiet, be quiet, Jesus is walking. We want to hear Jesus. And yet through all that, Jesus listens. He listens to them. He listens to their need and reaches out to them to heal them. I personally realize this is my own uh, failure at times. I, I pride myself of being like a really good multitasker. Her mother-in-law's here, and she can attest to that because sometimes I'm, at, I'm doing work at home, right? And then, you know, I'm doing something on my phone, and I'm trying to do something else in my computer, and then there's a lot of stuff going on, and I can multitask really well. Sometimes I have to make a sandwich. The kids come. Krishna's like, oh, we need to pick up something from the front door. And then all these things are happening. And yet, somehow I'm able to focus, but sometimes on the wrong thing. Because there are my family members there. And sometimes I'm not listening because I'm so tuned into the noise. I imagine being on the other seat. Imagine being those two men. Imagine being the, them crying out, right? You are desperate. You probably had years of frustration, of pain from being blind, of confusion. Why do I have to be this way? And yet, you hear that Jesus is passing by. And you know that if you can only connect with Jesus, if you can only maybe, maybe let him see you, maybe he can just say a word and you will be healed. You have faith. You know it. And yet there's people telling you to be quiet. Imagine the frustration. Imagine the pain of being on the other side of things. That is a very difficult situation to be in. Yet, I think that's the way many people around us are. And many people maybe within our homes. Many people maybe within the places that we frequent who are crying out internally, asking for your attention, asking for you to minister to them. And yet we are so caught up with the noise that we forget to listen. Yet Jesus shows us here, he was, he was able to tune it all out, and he was able to focus and listen. I pray we don't miss it. I pray that even here, right, that we don't, you know, just get lost in the noise. That we walk through life really paying attention for those who God might have in our path. Those who are hoping that you would listen. And yet sometimes we don't. I pray we don't miss it. 
And I pray we learn to listen just like Jesus did. We're almost done. Number four, Jesus sees the unseen. Jesus sees the unseen. One of my biggest prayers and hopes and uh, desires is that Jael and Noah, my kids, are those, you know, when they grow up to be uh, teens, when they grow up to be adults, are, are the type of people that notice, you know, that one person that sits in the corner or in their schools, right? The one person that doesn't have the friends or the group to hang out. I want them to be that person and to go and, and reach out to them and talk to them, make them feel comfortable. I pray that God gives them that eye, that, that discernment, that compassion for people. I personally have had one of my, you know, many times, some of my best conversations, some of my best relationships when I stepped out and talked to that person. The one who maybe wasn't part of the clique or, or, the, or the cool group or, you know, the, the ones who were well-known. And I pray they have that heart, too, because you know what? Jesus was that person. He sought to make connections with those who were very different, with those who were maybe outcasts, those who were oppressed, Jesus wanted to make those connections. One example is the woman at the well. Right, we know this story. We all have heard the story of the woman at the well. In John 4, verses 5 through 7, it says this. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. And it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria, check this out, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus sought out to her and said, give me a drink. Jesus started the conversation. Why is this important? Let's put it into perspective based on the context of the times. First of all, Jesus was approaching a woman. Right? This was not common all the time within this context, within this culture. Right? The fact that Jesus was approaching this woman in the, in the well, which was probably full of people. In fact, even later on, we, we read that the disciples are like, well, why are you talking to this woman? Why are you speaking to her? She was also Samaritan. Samaritan, which were, you know, very separate from the Jews. It was the people that were very different. They were Gentiles. And yet Jesus approached her. Not only that, but she had history, right? She had a rocky past. She had four husbands. And yet Jesus still reached out to her. And based on the interaction, you know, we can even assume that this woman desired a connection. She desired change. She was tired of her past. And Jesus listened. He empathized. He saw the unseen. And I find that very cool because we see at the end that her life was changed to the point that she went back to her town and she started, in a sense, evangelizing for Jesus. She was telling people, hey, there's this man that told me everything about myself. He might be the Messiah. Now, 
as a Samaritan woman, as a Gentile, that was crazy. That's amazing. Because they were not the Jews. When you see the unseen, you can make an impact that is long-lasting. And Jesus did that with this Samaritan woman at the well. We see another example, right? Zacchaeus. We all know this story. We teach it many times here in the kids' ministry. And the Bible tells us that Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was a very hated person, right? He was a tax collector, someone who people really, really disliked. Not only that, but the Bible tells us he was a very short person. So to like add, you know, insult to injury. It's like, no, this, by the way, this was, he was a very short person. So just to make him different from the common people. I feel like the Bible is trying to like really tell us like, hey, this person was very different. And yet what happened, right? We know the story where he climbed a tree. Jesus was walking by, and so Zacchaeus was short, and there was probably, again, this whole crowd, and so he had to climb a tree, and in the midst of all the crowd, Jesus stops and looks up and says, hey, you, come on down. I want to spend time with you. While people were probably like, what is he doing? You know, this is a person that, no, no, we don't, Jesus, we don't like him. Don't, don't, no, we don't like him, Jesus. Don't talk. And yet Jesus is like, no, come on. Not only that, but he went to his house and spent time with him there. Jesus sees the unseen. Jesus sees the oppressed. And I believe we should do the same. So when is the last time that you noticed that person? When is the last time that you took a step of faith and said, hey, I'm going to talk to them? You know, we have people walking through these doors many times for the first time, right? When is the last time that you went and you said, hey, how are you doing? I pray that we have the eyes to see the unseen, just as Jesus did. And here's the last point. I'll close with this. Jesus, Jesus is intentional. Jesus is intentional. I love this story. In John 21... Verses 15 through 17. Jesus is talking to Peter. Now, this is after the resurrection of Jesus. After Peter had denied him three times. Jesus is talking to Peter. And he, the Bible says that when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, well, feed my lambs. But then he said it to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him again, tend my sheep. And then again, a third time, Jesus told Simon, son of John, do you love me? And the Bible says that Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And so Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now notice a couple of very intentional things. And I, I pray that you've caught this before, but maybe you haven't. Now notice how Jesus addressed Peter as Simon. Simon, 
which was his original name, Peter was the name that Jesus gave him after he met him. The Lord was very intentional. He was avoiding his Lord-given title, which was Peter the Rock. Now, you got to remember, this happened after Peter denied Jesus three times. And you can think of where Peter was spiritually, where he was mentally, the pain that he had. Right? We're reading the word that this destroyed Peter. And so now Jesus is taking this opportunity where he's asking Peter three times, do you love me? Notice the question. Jesus asked them three times, but if you actually read the context and you look at the translation, the first time Jesus said, do you agape me? Do you love me with this unconditional love, just like I love the people? But Simon Peter responds to him, I phileo you. He doesn't respond with the, with the agape. He says, yes, I love you as a friend. The second time, he does the same thing. And the same way, Simon repeats, yes, I love you as a friend. And so Jesus understands now. And the third time that he asks Simon, he asks him, do you phileo me? So Jesus changes the word the emphasis that love had within that conversation very intentionally because he wanted to really understand and really let Simon understand the magnitude of his love towards Jesus. Jesus was very intentional. This was all very divinely calculated, almost like a surgeon with a scalpel. Jesus wanted to pierce the heart of Simon, Peter. And he wanted to reopen maybe those wounds and, and, and heal those wounds. Now, I find this also very interesting that when Simon Peter denied Jesus, he did it how many times? Three times. And now Jesus is coming back and asking him, do you love me? Three times. So Jesus is, in a sense, saying, you did this wrong. And it was this wrong this many times. I'm going to make sure that I cover those wrongs. With the same amount of time so you can see how much I care for you. Yes, you denied me three times. Well, now you're going to understand. And I wanted you to know in your heart that you also love me that much. I want to redeem you, Peter. Jesus was very, very intentional to redeem the heart of Peter. He didn't leave Peter holding on to that anger, to the frustration, to the bitterness, but he was very intentional to restore and again, how many times do we fail in that, right? How many times are we very superficial in our conversations, in our relationships? Yet Jesus is showing us, hey, you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional in the way you, you interact with people. You can't always be superficial. 
There has to be ways. And Jesus will show you in which you can minister to someone. I pray that next time you talk to, to another guy or another lady, that you, you ask Jesus to show you. How can I bless this person? Be intentional in your conversation. Be intentional on your interactions, just as Jesus was. I believe God doesn't want us to go through the motions anymore. No, this world is too crazy for us to do that. And I feel like <laughs> with the noise around us, with the things that we busy ourselves every day in, it's very easy to just kind of go through the motions and, and forget about the things going on around us. No, God is saying, no, you have to be intentional. If you see someone hurting, restore him. If someone hurt you, restore him. Forgive him. Be intentional. Have substance in your interactions. So go back to the one characteristic that you thought about Jesus in that interaction that I asked you to think about, right? How do you align yourself to that on a regular basis? I pray that you do. And I pray that this is a reminder that, you know, the path for godly relationships is not what a book or a movie or something like that tells you. It's here in the Word. And it's here through the way that Jesus interacted. What a great 